From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode number 58. Today's show is brought to you by Hover, Simplified Domain Management, Stamps.com, Postage on Demand, and Braintree, code for easy online payments. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by the man with the plan, Mr. Jason Snell. Hi, Mike. How's it going? Very well, sir. How are you? What is what is my plan? We'll find out over the course of this episode. <laughs> I think the perhaps Jason we will. Snell five step plan to success. Mm. That's right. Something step like that. Three profit. <laughs> I don't know what happens after that. I'm still working on the plan. So we got exciting episode today. Got some got some cool stuff to talk about. But um, as is as is tradition, we have some follow up to do. Uh, which we'll, which we'll get through now. Uh, a couple of little things that we want to mention. So there is now a uh, live streaming app. Relay has a live streaming app which you can grab. Um, it's in the App Store. It's available for the iPhone and the iPad. Um, and we built this along with a company called Tapjets, who you may know that uh, previously uh, was a company called Glide. They worked on Loop Magazine. And they've been working with us to create this uh, brand new app and you'll be able to listen to us live um, and there's a bunch of really exciting stuff in there for you to play around with. So I really uh, think that you should go and check it out. It's got some great animations and it will help you listen live. There's also some back catalogue stuff in there. And if you find anything new that maybe you haven't listened to before, there's an easy button to help you subscribe in your podcast app of choice. We're really proud of it. I hope that uh, you go check it out. Let us know what you think. We're always doing new stuff, uh, working on new things to add to it. Like we're thinking, well, we are going to be adding at some point in the future uh, chat functionality and stuff like that will be coming in a later update. But we're, we're full steam ahead on, on really trying to make this a great experience to listen live to our shows on iOS. Yeah, and a bunch of people were asking um, sort of what's the difference between this and a, and a podcast app, and I think that's the important distinction is this is about alerting you when things are live. Mm-hmm. So you can listen live. That's a lot of fun. Being able to interact live coming down the road I think is going to be a great a great thing too. And yes, if you want to just uh, stream an episode, you can do that too. So yeah. um, it's worth checking out if you're if you're happy with your podcast app of choice. In fact, it works with it. If you discover a show that you want to subscribe to, you can just co- sort of uh, send it off to your podcast app of, of choice too. So yeah. it's not meant to replace Overcast or Podcast or no. or a or a pocket cast or any of the others. We took great pains to make sure that we weren't competing. It was never a thing for us where we wanted to to try and compete with podcast apps because one we don't really desire to do that. I don't think we ha- we were really interested in building a platform to do it. And also like I consider, you know, iTunes and all of the third party app makers like Overcast and Pocketcast to be like partners. Um and we have no desire to try and, you know, upset them or usurp them because they help us out a lot so right. like for example you can't download episodes in the relay fm map it's just streaming and primarily built around the live experience so what i what we hope it will do is help more people listen live that haven't been able to before because it makes it a lot easier a lot lot easier so go check it out we have uh, some mike at the movies news don't we we do indeed two pieces of mike at the movies news this is very exciting mike mm. at the movies is becoming a a huge franchise and Phenomenon, expanding to other areas. You may even it is, say. it is, um, and we're not kidding. So there's two things happening. One is that next week we're going to do a Mike of the Movies episode, um, and we're doing it for uh, timely reasons. Given that it is October of 2015, we are going to watch Back to the Future Part Two for next week's episode. Yeah, so we're slightly changing the rules of of Mike at the movies for this one episode because obviously I have seen Back to the Future mm-hmm. 2 it's one of my favorite movies but it is from the 80s though so we've got that it, exactly. 1989 
So that that for me, and it's like I feel like there's. I wanted to do one that week. There's no way that we could in that week not do Back to the Future. I I think so. It's when it for those who don't know, this is the point to which Marty McFly travels mm-hmm. uh, from 1985. The the first movie set in 1985, and they go back 30 years to 1955. In the second movie, they go they do go back to 55, but they also go forward 30 years to 2015. And yes, that does mean that Back to the Future, the original, is now as far away from us as 1955 was from Marty in the movie. But uh, since since we are living in the future, we're going to watch Back to the Future Part 2 for next week. That should be good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, the other news is, we're not kidding about the Mike and the Movies franchise. Um, we, for various reasons, you and I talk, have talked about this for a little while now. Um, obviously, in the shows that we do at Relay FM, there's a lot of talk of current events in the technology industry. So we'll have these shows that are all about current events, and then we'll talk about a classic movie for half an hour or an hour. And that's great in the sort of stream day-to-day. It's ni- nice to have a little bonus at the end of uh, an episode of Upgrade or Analog about uh, a classic movie. But uh, you know, a year from now, the classic movie discussion is still going to be great. But the uh, tech discussion, while great, is going to be dated. So uh, what we are doing is we are doing a separate podcast feed for Mike at the Movies. So if there is a movie that you want to watch and then listen to, and it doesn't fit in with your day-to-day listening to this show or to Analog, but you enjoy us talking about movies, uh, you can listen to just the movie reviews. They'll be posted with a bit of a delay. I think we're thinking about a month Mm -hmm. delay. Because we have sponsors on these shows, and this is where the idea for for this feed is that it's sort of the classic. It's always accessible. You can listen to any of these movie reviews whenever you want, and it's at the incomparable yes. because that's a, that's your place to go for 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 pop culture podcasting. So if you go to the incomparable dot com slash Mike, that's M Y K E, yeah. like Mike Hurley, mm-hmm. uh, you will find the new Mike at the Movies podcast, which has got all of our old. Um, all of our old uh, episodes. So it's got the Raiders of the Lost Ark episode. This is Spinal Tap. Um, I'm just realizing, I think I don't have the Princess Bride in there, so I'm going to have to add that. That was that was a, I think I just missed that one. <laughs> but we'll, we'll fix it up. We're we'll still working it. it out. But Sneakers <laughs> and the Rocketeer from, from you and Casey yep. are in there. Um, and so we'll just, uh, you know, we will, we will put them there. And then if you want to go back and you're like, I can't listen to that now. And then it sort of escapes you. You can always just tune into the Mike of the movies, uh, feed and, uh, those old, uh, conversations will, will live there. So, uh, and, and if Mike should talk about a movie on some other relay podcast at some point, those will, uh, pop in there too. So right now, right now we have nine. And since I just remembered that one is missing, there'll be 10, uh, yay. And, uh, so you can uh, check all those out and, uh, and I think uh, I think it's a I think it's a cool thing. And the art, um, stupendous, spectacular. It, I think it's my favorite. I think you may be getting a movie poster of this artwork. Yeah, F- Frank is is coming to England um, at the end of the month, uh, so I'm finally going to get to meet him, and uh, he's going to make me a poster version, which I'm incredibly excited about. Yeah, it's really nice. Nice uh, 60s uh, movie poster style. It's got some glasses. It's got your glasses on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, if you like the Mike of the Movie segments, if you want to revisit them or uh, file them away for later listening, uh, check that out, theincomparable.com slash Mike. And also, <laughs> more Mike of the Movies news. Uh, so as well as there being Back to the Future next week, me and Casey are also doing 
um, a Mike at the Movies episode of Analog that will come out next week on True Lies. Wow. Yep. Because I'm going to be away um, at release notes, so we're gonna we're gonna bank an episode. Oh, yeah. about True Lies. So I watched True Lies today. I'm gonna see you there. You will be seeing me there. You know, our first Mike Watches the Movies was The Princess Bride, and I totally missed it. So I guess there'll be a zero episode of Mike at the Movies. Perfect. Zero is perfect. you got to start from zero, right? I wanted to do just one uh, little piece of follow-up before we get into the meat of today's episode, um, which was around the whole Apple, Amazon, Netflix thing that we were talking about last week. Um, Because we had quite a few people um, making comments about what we were talking about, about, you know, how fair it is that these companies paid a 30%. My stance being that I believe that once a company gets to a certain size, Apple should be doing deals. Uh, But there are many people, which is totally fine, uh, have the belief that they think everyone should be treated equally uh, by Apple, which I Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. I appreciate the idyllic fairness of it all, you know, that it's a level playing field. Uh, But I, you know, I just wanted to to underscore the point in case I didn't make it last week and I want to make sure that I do, that I think that for Apple's platform to continue to advance and grow, um, it will eventually require them needing to make deals with other companies. That That's my feeling about this. Uh, they are in a very, very strong position, but when big companies like Amazon just say, well, no, we're not going to sell your products anymore, it puts them in, in situations which they don't need to be in, um, I think. And, and if they really want to continue pushing down the content and entertainment route with the Apple TV... I think they're going to need to do a little bit more glad handling uh, than they are at the moment. Yeah, I, one of the things that uh, that we definitely hear is is no, no, they, they can't play favorites. Apple's got to do thirty percent for everyone, but you know, Apple can do what it wants. So it's not true. People, I, I think, some people are seeming to think that that's some sort of law or rule that is inviolate, and I, I just. It could change. Apple could make a deal. That happens all the time. And they could do. They could have preferred partners. And that happens all the time in business. And so um, I, I, I think then they don't have to. The other thing that I got a lot of was like, I can't believe Apple doesn't have to do this. And it's like, well, no, Apple doesn't have to do this. But at some point, I think maybe Apple should do it. And, you know, we can disagree on that. But I, I think let's... Uh, Let's not pretend that Apple can't do what it wants. Apple Apple could cut a deal if it feels like it's in its best interest to do so. Um, so you know, it may not be fair, but business isn't always fair. <laughs> that's just that's business. That's how it works. So um, also, we heard from some people who said, "Hey, what if?" Um, this is all just in advance of Amazon stocking the new Apple TV because it's going to have an Amazon app, and you know that may be. That may I, I wouldn't put it past them. I, I think it would be silly if Amazon didn't write an app for the new Apple TV, and I would imagine that it would be approved because it's not like other uh, other stuff isn't approved for the App Store, including all of Amazon stuff today. So I would imagine that would continue on the Apple TV, but we'll see. Also, Mike asked, um, why can't Amazon just increase in-app prices um, to exactly offset Apple's thirty percent cut? And they can't do that because Apple explicitly says that they can't in the rules. Hmm. So that is the thing you can't you can't sell your product or your subscription service uh, for a cheaper price elsewhere. It has to match. So that's why. Yeah, that, that. and that policy has changed over time. But um, but the other thing is Amazon's business model. One, Amazon's business model is. Uh, is based on the low margins, but uh, two, then what you're what you're doing essentially is Apple is saying 
you can lose money or you can be more expensive than us and everything we sell on iTunes and iBooks. And, you know, the for for the book thing, this is what I keep coming back to is that the problematic thing here is that Apple is a platform vendor that is also selling media. And that is that's problematic. That is a it's a challenge because then when Apple makes these rules, it it, it stops being about like, well, it's fair it's fair for the platform owner to do this and take their share, and it becomes well, but they're also erecting barriers for their competition since they also sell books and comics and movies and TV shows um, and music. So that that makes this messier. And I think I'm just a person who feels like Apple's uh, media sales stuff should stand or fall based on its merits and not because of artificial barriers that are erected to protect it. And I think that there's some of that going on here. And I'd rather Apple just let iBooks compete and iTunes compete um, on uh, level playing field instead of having it be that Apple makes it harder for Amazon to do business on Apple platforms. Yep. And I think I, it makes the platforms worse when, when there isn't that competition there. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. All right, let's talk about the new IMAX. But before we do that, let me thank our first sponsor for this week, and that is Braintree, code for easy online payments. If you're a mobile app developer, check out Braintree. Braintree is the payment solution used by companies like Uber, Airbnb, Hotel Tonight, Living Social, Munchery, and many, many more. Braintree has made the payment experiences in these apps seamless and magical, and now you can add a similar experience to your own app as well. With excellent customer service and simple integration, Braintree gets you ready to receive payments quickly. Braintree's continuous support plus fast payouts means you'll be prepared as your company grows from your first dollar to your billionth. Braintree is also helping solve the the problem of mobile car abandonment. And they do this by offering a best-in-class mobile checkout experience, and they can make similar experiences in some of your favorite apps seamless and magical. Now you can add a similar experience to your own apps as well. Braintree will give you a full-stack payment solution, support for all payment types for your customers and everything that they might want, including PayPal, Apple Pay, Bitcoin, Venmo, cards, and many more, all with just a single integration. It's also with you across all platforms with superior fraud protection and their fantastic customer service and fast payouts. To learn more and for your first $50,000 in transactions fee-free, go to braintreepayments.com slash upgrade. Thank you so much to Braintree for their support of this show. So, Jason, we, yes. have, uh, we have some new products. Now, we're talking just before uh, the embargo goes out for these, so I know nothing about what you have uh, in front of you. That's right. This is uh, this episode is being timed to drop uh, once I can publicly discuss the products that I've been using for the last few days. Uh, but that means also that you are a babe in the woods and know nothing mm-hmm. about what Apple uh, announced and released. You could tell me anything, and I would have to believe you. That's right. Well, they've got a a forty five inch iMac. No, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's not true. It's called the iMac Pro. It comes with a pen. Nope, not true. These are these are not true true facts. These are <laughs> these are all lies. So what do we have? Um, so the iMac line got a, a refresh this morning. That's what happened. Um, new iMacs abound. Uh, in fact, I'm I'm gonna bring up. <laughs> I actually spent the weekend with a uh, with a spreadsheet hmm. of. Uh, of uh, changes in this, but I mean, the big story is that there's, um, that there's a 21 inch retina iMac now, 21 and a half inch retina iMac. 
um, that's that's new. That's exciting. Um, but the whole iMac line got refreshed. So even the uh, the non-Retina 21 and a half inch iMac is refreshed for the first time since late 2013. Wow. So it's been a long time. Um, there's Broadwell chips, which is like they call them the fifth generation Intel Core technology, but it's Broadwell uh, chips in the 21 and a half inch iMacs. Um, and Apple's doing this thing that they that they tend to do, which is keep their price points and uh, and change the products inside the price points. So the iMac price points as of yesterday, as of Monday the twelfth, were ten ninety nine, twelve ninety nine, fourteen ninety nine, seventeen ninety nine, nineteen ninety nine, and twenty two ninety nine. I love that ninety nine. Uh, yeah, they do. They do. It's the buying psychology, I guess. I hate it, but at least it's not ten ninety nine and ninety nine cents. They yeah. Um, it's dumb. So, so, but anyway, those price points are all still there. What Apple has done ha- is upgrade. Well, look, it's a show title. Uh-huh. Um, upgrade everything inside those price points. So now, the 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 ten ninety nine and twelve ninety nine uh, price points are still twenty one and a half inch iMacs, but those. Uh, are now using Broadwell processors instead of the old Haswell processors. So they're faster. It's 1.6 and 2.8 for the 1099 and the 1299, respectively. Um, The RAM's a little bit faster. Um, The storage on the 1099, which used to be half a gigabyte, is now a full, uh, or uh, 500 gigabytes, half a terabyte, is now a full terabyte. Um, they're, they're using Intel integrated graphics, but it's the newer integrated graphics. So it's the, uh, 6,000 and the 6,200 and they support Thunderbolt two now. So they get a nice little upgrade for the cheap IMAX. Uh, but the big story is the 1499 slot, which used to be, um, a 2.9 gigahertz, one terabyte, eight gigs of memory, um, uh, 21 and a half inch iMac. It is now a Retina iMac for that same price. 3.1 gigahertz quad core i5 uh, Broadwell, uh, eight gigs of memory, the faster speed, Intel 6200 integrated graphics, and two Thunderbolt two uh, ports. And then there's uh, and what drive does that have in it? The the 21. That's got the that that <laughs> the the 1499 model has a terabyte. <laughs> okay, so. I just reviewed it. You can you can read my review at MacWorld. Uh, I reviewed this model, the fourteen ninety nine terabyte hard drive. It is a fifty four hundred RPM spinning disk terabyte oh, hard drive. Come on, not even a fusion. So, so here's the so here's the thing. Yeah, that that is the um, <laughs> uh, okay. I wasn't going to talk about this now, but let's talk about it now. Um, I haven't used a spinning disk Mac as uh, in ages now, right? I, I I don't understand why they would do this. My daughter's iMac has a Fusion Drive, um, and my laptop is SSD only. My iMac is SSD only. And I, I admit this means that I'm spoiled. But let me tell you, when you boot up this brand new Mac, brand new Retina Mac, gorgeous display. We can talk about it a little bit more. You know, there's a 4K display, 4096 by 2304. It is beautiful. Um, and then you wait because... The disk is slow because it's this 5,400 RPM hard drive. And then you launch an app and you wait some more for the app to launch. And it is so clearly the problem in the device because it's not, you know, it's not the, the, 
um, 3.1 gigahertz quad core i5 that's slowing it down, right? It's it's this slow spinning hard drive. So uh, yeah, it's not it's not so great, is what I'm saying. Um, there is a, a configure to order. I think for a hundred dollars, you can go up to uh, a terabyte fusion drive. And uh, although although there, what Apple has done is. Um, is to make the terabyte to make the fusion drive upgrade cheaper the one terabyte fusion drive actually has less flash storage in it so if you're somebody who's like a heavy duty user um you're going to want to get the and you want a fusion drive you're going to want the uh, uh, the two or um or i think there's a three terabyte option now as well but um but the one terabyte option is a hundred dollars more it's i think it's like 40 gigs of flash and then the rest of it is um is the fusion drive, but I, I, I don't think I would recommend to anybody that they just spend $14.99 on a Retina iMac. Cause if you're going to buy a brand new Retina 4k iMac, 21 and a half inch iMac, I think you owe it to yourself to not be constrained by the speed of that disc. It kind of seems counterproductive to what you're attempting to do with it. Well, this is when I talk about them hitting the slots. I mean, I think this is what happens is this is how you hit the slot. This is how you hit fourteen ninety nine and have this new iMac fit in the same price point as the previous model. I feel like you'd be better putting a two fifty six solid state and then a one terabyte hard drive, like just from a user features, because the speed is surely more important than the storage. Ah, uh, yeah, but the, there's still price issues. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. So, what is that price again for the for the four K? That for the twenty one and a half inch four K, it's fourteen ninety nine US. Right. Okay. So it's the, it's it's the same it's the as the, the highest line. end tw- tw- uh, before configuration. Now you can configure to order um, it with a discrete graphics processor, uh, which is new. I believe that you can you can put a GeForce uh, GT seven fifty M in there. So uh, by default, it uses in- Intel integrated graphics, and that's actually the reason why these aren't Skylake, the new generation, sixth generation processors, according to Apple is that they don't have a, a chipset for Skylake with integrated graphics, uh, which is what they want here. Because again, to save money, they um, there isn't an integrated graphics process or a, a, a discrete graphics processor. Instead, it's just the Intel integrated stuff that comes on the chipset. Uh, it's part of the, the Broadwell collection, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you can configure to order. So if you, do, if you do want the smaller iMac, but you want the extra graphics power, you can get it with... Uh, uh, a, a discrete GPU, and you can also increase that uh, processor to three point three gigahertz quad core i seven. So there are a lot of nice configuration options at the top of the line. Plus, you can choose, you know, uh, one or two terabyte fusion, and you can choose two fifty six or five twelve gigabyte um, flash storage. So uh, there, there are lots of options that make it more expensive, but that make it um, much more powerful. Uh, but those are options because, again, they want to hit that fourteen ninety nine, and you know fourteen ninety nine is a great price for a twenty one and a half inch Retina uh, iMac, a forty ninety six by twenty three hundred four, a truly you know four K, four more than four thousand pixels wide iMac. But um, with that configuration has the slow drive. It's just so interesting to me because when you look at the MacBook line, like they start. With solid state, right? Like that's where you get. That's where they all are. They're all on solid state. 
I mean, and I know that they're not a terabyte, right? You know, like for example, the twelve ninety nine thirteen inch MacBook Pro Retina comes with a one hundred and twenty eight gigabyte flash storage, which is I know it's barely nothing, but at least it's I I, I feel like my feeling about that is actually the use of the machine it would be better to have the flash than to have the yeah. the hard drive, the spinning disk. Why do you think Apple have made the decision to not just to, to put this one terabyte drive in there rather than throwing in a very small uh, flash storage drive? It's it, I think it's price. <laughs> because surely the 128 gigabyte can't be that much more expensive, right? Because they're putting it in a twelve uh, a $1,300 MacBook. Well, well, think of it this way. Yesterday, to add uh, 256 flash to an iMac was $200 upgrade mm-hmm. from the from this from the sure. 1 sure. terabyte spinning hard drive. So it, yes, a lot of that is Apple's profit, but a lot of that is also expense that it, it costs. And I think also maybe some of Apple's research is in here. Um that uh they know how people use iMacs. Right. And perhaps they know that, you know, a, a big desktop iMac can't really, most people are not going to be satisfied with 128 gigs of storage in it, right? It's that, that's not a lot um, for a big iMac. And, uh, and then there's just, uh, in, in, when you start to compare it to the laptops, I mean, this screen is huge. The screen is, um, it's, it's 21 and a half inches. You know, the biggest Retina MacBook Pro is 15. There are a lot more pixels. So it's a much bigger screen, much more to drive, much more graphics power needed to drive it. Um, so, you know, it's not the same kind of system. But yeah, I think in the end, it is, uh, flash storage is still way more expensive and Fusion Drive is supposed to be a way around that. Um, that would be my thing, is that I appreciate that Apple has made stepping up to Fusion Drive cheaper, but I kind of wish that the stock configuration had a Fusion Drive. I feel like for the $14.99, you're at the top of the line, you've got the Retina. It would be really nice if that had the Fusion Drive too, but obviously Apple felt like their margins weren't going to be good enough at $14.99. So this is essentially, that's essentially a $15.99 iMac with, with a terabyte Fusion Drive. Yeah, because you're really, you know, it's saying that I love you're cutting your nose off to spite your face at the point of buying the stock one. I, I can't recommend anybody buy a brand new computer that that is fast in so many different areas and has this amazing screen and then is stuck with a 5400 RPM spinning disk in 2015. It, it, into it, exactly in late 2015, if you're going to spend 14.99 on a new iMac, unless it's literally all the money that you can spend, you should at the very least spend 15.99 and get the Fusion Drive yep. because you need to get some of that speed that comes and the responsiveness that comes with having uh, super fast flash storage. And uh, you may not be able to afford a big SSD, and that's fine, but go to the Fusion Drive if you can, because the drive is slow. It's just, you know, I could tell it, it makes everything sluggish. Once you've been on a on an SSD or a Fusion Drive even, you can tell when you're on a computer with a spinning disk. It's painfully obvious. Yep, yep. And it's just, you know, it's, yeah, it's the end of 2015. This is a Retina display machine. That so anyway yeah I highly recommend that the that upgrade I should mention the the memory it um it comes with eight standard you can you can configure it with sixteen but this is the twenty one and a half inch model and just like the last generation because these look they look exactly the same they're the same size they're the same shape they're the same weight um, and just as before the twenty one and a half doesn't have the door on the back for user installable RAM. So if you want 16 gigs of RAM, you need to order it with 16 gigs of RAM. Otherwise, you can't, you know, it doesn't have a door for you to pop it off and put in more RAM later. Yeah, sure, but 8 gigabytes of RAM is a better starting point than a spinning disk, 
right? Like it, it, in the RAM department, that's a good a good thing to do. Can you replace the hard drive? Is the hard drive user replaceable on the twenty one? I don't. I I think it's as user replaceable as anything else is on these machines, which is not yeah, very which because is not, it's because you'll it's break essentially it. a sealed. <laughs> uh, it's a sealed container, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So so this is and this is what you want to buy, right? Not the twenty one. No, you're going to buy the twenty seven. Yep. So I'm I'm eagerly waiting for you to tell me about that in a moment. But I I want to talk a little bit more about okay. the twenty one inch because I feel like all we've done is complain about yeah. it. Yeah. And this is the one that I've spent time with. Tell me what what is good about this machine. Well, the screen is amazing. Uh, it's the same same story as when we got the the five K screen last time. It, it's a it's a great screen. It looks good. Retina is so good that your photos look amazing on a Retina display. And having all of the area of a of a of a twenty one and a half inch display, it, it's it's um you know twenty seven inch is not for everyone. It can really dominate a desk. It can really dominate a room. It can be unwieldy to move around. Twenty one and a half is a much more kind of human scale in some ways. Uh, computer uh, having stared at a twenty seven for the last year, getting the twenty one, I was like, oh, it's so cute and reasonably sized. And um, but it's still it's not five K. It's four K. But it it's still got. Uh, this kind of incredible, bright, colorful screen. Um, Apple's widened the color gamut on all of these iMacs, so they actually show um, more color. I forget what the number, they quoted a number, 25% more color, especially in the reds and greens, which are the ones that I don't see very well. Yeah, I was going to say, can you see it? Like, for anybody that doesn't know, Jason has some mild color blindness. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm slightly red, green, colorblind. I saw some demos at Apple that uh, I could tell the difference, and okay. a lot of it is, you know, some of it is vibrancy, and some of it is uh, detail, where there's minute detail that gets washed out when you can only, when you can't go into more detail with the with the variation in color. It sure. all sort of becomes. Um, the same and then if you add extra detail that can actually uh to the color space it can add detail to your photos it's not just about it being kind of more vibrant it actually you can see more variation and therefore your photos right. have more detail um so it's the p it's it's 99 i guess of the p3 color space i think which is okay. um as opposed to the old srgb color space that that um that the old imax fit inside so if you're somebody who does a lot with photography or video um having the additional color is it's a subtle thing for me anyway maybe it'll be more dramatic for other people but even for me it was definitely there i don't think this is enough reason for people to take their old uh 27 inch red imax and throw them in in the bin um (laughs) it's still a pretty it's still a pretty good uh pretty good display regardless but the new ones have a wider color gamut that that is uh that's for sure so that's good i imagine apple's sitting you down um, in in the demo rooms, and they're like, Jason, look at the look at the change in these colors, yeah. and you're like, mm-hmm, yep, yeah, it looks great, guys. <laughs> well, they apparently apparently the LEDs, the white LEDs that um, most of these displays use, uh, tend to uh, put out more. They have more ability to put out blue wavelengths than red or green, and as a result, the red and green variation is limited. And then they've got a new uh, LED that is much better at putting out red and green wavelengths. And that's that, according to Apple, that's the thing that makes this uh, capable of the wider color gamut. But right. you know, um, I did warn them. <laughs> I did say. You know, I'm a red, green, colorblind. But I still, they were like, can you see this? Can you see this? It became more of a test for me. It was like an eye <laughs> test at that point. But uh, it was, it, but you can you can tell. You could definitely tell. Um, and they had a funny moment. They said that the uh, the Denver Broncos 
uh, of the of the NFL, their orange jersey is outside of the sRGB color space. Um, so they say whenever you see, unless you're there in person, whenever you see a picture uh, or video of the Denver Broncos, you're not seeing the right orange. What a very peculiar and specific thing to pick. I know. Well, I think it's I think it's good though because it's a good example of a shade that maybe doesn't doesn't render yeah. exactly right. Um, but again, is this a huge feature for most people? Probably not. No. But for some people, it will be it'll be uh, a pretty nice. But uh, the flexibility of the Retina displays I wanted to mention, which is this isn't just about it being a, a 4K display. It's about the fact that once you've got this many pixels on a screen, this densely populated, you can scale the interface. And not have it look bad. It used to be when we got when we went to L uh, LCD screens, um, flat screens that uh, that you can't. You used to be able to change monitor resolutions on CRTs. It was you could make everything bigger, make everything smaller. You could do that, and it it still looked good. But on on uh, on LCD panels, it never looked good because the resolution just isn't high enough, and it would dither it and anti-alias it, and it looked bad. But these are so high resolution that you can do that. So if you want to make your um, everything on the screen a little bit bigger or a little bit smaller so you have more room, you can do that on these retina displays super easily. And I know people who don't run in 100% uh, 2x mode on their retina display. They actually run it with everything a little bit smaller um, and it makes it seem like a bigger screen or yep. with everything a little bit bigger. And it still looks crisp because there are so many pixels there that even though it is uh, scaling it and anti-aliasing it, uh, you can't see it because it, there are just too many. The pixels are too dense. You don't even you don't even see that it's happening. So my MacBook Pro, I run in most space mode. See, yeah, and I love yeah that. exactly yeah yeah. And so that 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 now comes to the to the twenty one and a half inch iMac size with with this. So I think that's good. Uh, Thunderbolt two more speed. The the Broadwell processors are um, are faster than the Haswell that came before, and I like that. Uh, this top of the line 21 and a half inch does have those built to order options. So if you just don't want, if you want the power, but you don't want the size of the 27 inch, you can do that. You can get the 4K iMac, upgrade the storage, upgrade the processor, and that's a good thing. Right. Oh, so one thing before we go on, um, I, I was saying that there are discrete graphics as an update. There aren't. I got that wrong. It's a uh, 6200. Uh, uh, integrated graphics is what you get. You d- you can't build to order discrete on that one. So if you if you really want the 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 superpower, you want the twenty seven inch because right. that one has all of the options. the The only things you can configure on the twenty one and a half inch Retina, you can give the you can get the i seven and you can upgrade the storage, but you cannot go to integrated graphics on that one. Alas, okay. okay. That that graphic stuff really confuses me. No. Yeah, well, I mean, the short version of it is that Intel tries to make it so you don't need to buy a graphics, uh, co- you know, a, a GPU from someone else because Intel's got you covered. But it's never, you know, it's never as good as having the the discrete graphics chip. It's just that those are expensive, and so you know, they're they're uh, they're it's everything's better if you've got one, but it's expensive, <laughs> and so uh, the twenty sevens have them and the and the, and the 21 and a halfs don't. And partially that's a function that they're driving a smaller display. And so there's not as much penalty. And part of it is uh, cost. Okay. All right. So I, I want to know all about this 27 because it's what I've been waiting yeah. for. So have I been right to be waiting? Uh, well, yeah, be, because this is the, although there was this sort of interim uh, step in the spring that was basically like a lower end 
uh, model. They they took the last last fall when the 5K iMac came out, it it was sitting above the 27 inch iMacs that existed, and it was more expensive, and that's the one I bought. Um, and then this spring they came around with one that was sort of the uh, the the cheaper uh, model uh, that that they uh, that allowed them to hit uh, some other uh, price points. So that was the one that that let them do um, what uh, 1999, and then and then the one they lowered the price on the one that I bought to 22.99. Uh, so now the the old non Retina twenty seven inch IMAX have been cleared away. They're gone. Oh wow! Gone. Okay, gone. Uh, what were they? I don't even remember them. It's like they were never there. Forget I even said non Retina IMAX twenty seven inches. Nope, nope. It's not a thing. Uh, so seventeen ninety nine, nineteen ninety nine, twenty two ninety nine. Those are your price points, and those are where the the three new five K IMAX sit. They've all got that. Uh, Wider color gamut, 5K screen, 5120 by 2880. They're using Skylake processors, so it's mm. the it's the sixth generation Intel Core um, architecture. Uh, it's uh, 3.2 gigahertz uh, quad core i5 on the 1799 and the 1999 models, and it's a 3.3 gigahertz quad core i5 on the 2299 model. Um, they all have discrete graphics from AMD. It's a Radeon R9 M380 in the 1799, M390 in the 1999, and M395 on the 2299. I'm sure Although it is a 7200 RPM spinning hard drive because it's the bigger, the bigger drive. So, <laughs> so it's faster. Um, 1999 comes with a terabyte fusion drive standard and the uh, 2299 comes with the two terabyte fusion drive standard. And that yeah. 1999 terabyte fusion drive, I believe I, I mentioned earlier, that's the one that's got, it's actually got less flash in it than the old terabyte fusion drive did. Um, as this is Apple's attempt to try and get it, get Fusion Drive to be more affordable uh, so that they can make it standard sooner, but it's just not standard yet on some of these systems like we've been talking about. So right. that's the uh, that's that's the 27 inch. They've got, you know, they've got the stuff that they already had, that the Retina one already had in terms of Thunderbolt 2 and and all of that. And then the the build to order, you know, configuration options, the the two high end models can can be upgraded to a four gigahertz i7. Um, they, all three models can be upgraded to the Radeon, um, 395 with four gigs of, uh, of GDDR5 magic memory, <laughs> memory, memory, memory nerds out there. When I listen to ATP and they talk about chipsets, I'm like, yeah, I don't care so much. Yeah. Uh, they really love it. But anyway, yeah. So you can upgrade to the super awesome graphics and even on the, on the 2299, that upgrade is basically more, more memory to the GPU. Okay. Um, the stock is eight gigs of memory, but you can go all the way up to 32. It does have the door so you can do it yourself if you want to do it that way. And it's got all the storage options. Um, uh, one, two or three terabyte fusion drives, uh, 256 or 512 flash on the 1799 model and the 1999 and the 2299 you can even configure a terabyte flash too so uh you know it's it's basically uh the old 5k imac spread across the whole line with upgraded processors to to skylake that's exactly what i was looking for 
Apple is not saying this is four times faster than the old model. I think these are incrementally uh, faster. I yep. think I think it's not a a radical change there, but it is the newer architecture, uh, you know, newer newer graphics uh, processors, newer uh, CPUs. So everything's a little bit everything's a little bit better, but it's not like um, a quantum leap. I it's think. not going to blow the doors off. No, no. But keeping in mind that the the high end one really hasn't updated in a year. I mean, this is, yeah. and then they they basically pulled it down to nineteen ninety nine in the spring, and now they've pulled it all the way down to seventeen ninety nine, and everything's a little bit better at those price points. So I, I will be getting the top of the line. Um, I'll push all it. Right. Up to, you can take up to four gigahertz. You said an i seven. Yeah. Yeah, and then I'm going to throw sixteen gigabytes of RAM and a terabyte yeah. flash in there. Beauty. That is going to be my, top of, my screen. Top of the line. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Cause, That's good. Uh, so, like, I will mention this, and I'll, I will mention it at another point, and I'm not going to belabor it. I will be selling my Mac Pro. If you are in the UK and you're interested, let me know. I'm going to be taking it in for full <laughs> service with Apple, and then I'm going to be selling it. So, if it, if you want to jump the gun on that, I'll, I'll give you a good price on it. Um, and I'm also going to be getting rid of my 25-inch Dell monitor that I have, uh, and I'm going to be trading it in for a beautiful 27-inch iMac. Very excited it's 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 a good th- welcome yeah welcome to 27 inch iMac world i i've been so happy with my with my 27 inch iMac that uh you know i definitely recommend it to people it's funny one of the things that i actually wrote about in the mac world article is um who needs a who needs a desktop because there is that argument right like um i think it's more than three quarters of the macs that it's or or it's roughly three quarters of the macs that apple sells are laptops now mm-hmm. but i think there are lots of, i think there are lots of um uses for desktops dedicated workstations with lots of power um i think are nice big screens are really nice um, and i think there are a lot of intangibles too like for me the the work-life balance thing that this is this huge not only is this a huge powerful computer with a with a big screen but it's also at my desk and when i leave when i leave it i'm not working then and yeah i can get a laptop and i can do stuff but this this becomes my workplace and i kind of like that that the the power the computing power is concentrated here and this is where i want to be if i'm working and when i step away i'm i'm stepping away from all of that stuff and i think there's something to that i also know a lot of families who you know an iMac is a nice shared computer. They put it on a on a desk in a family room or something like that, and the kids take turns or work on it together. And rather than having sort of a laptop that we, where to go, it's floating around. It, it stays anchored to the to the table. So there there are lots of reasons why. But I've been I've been really happy with the the iMac, and I hadn't used an iMac as my primary system in in quite a while. And it's uh it's a great system. So now it's even better. Yeah, when you were talking about the twenty one. I was thinking, oh, that seems like the perfect student computer. And, like, you know, where is that going to be used? You know, like in a dorm room or something. And then I realized, no, you use a laptop for that because you can take it to class. Like, the 27 is like that. It's that one exactly. It's for the creative professional. That is the new machine. It's not the Mac Pro because this thing has an incredible screen on it, right? And I feel like that's probably why it's edging it for many people as the pro machine now, this top-of-the-line 27. So I'm wondering, who is the 21 for? Is it just for price-conscious or space-conscious people? Because that is a really weird group to have a a machine for, like in my mind anyway. I I think for a lot of people, 27 inches is just too much computer. I really really believe that. I I have, and I've seen people see a 27-inch iMac and go, oh my God, it's so huge. 
Um, and uh, 21 and a half is a much more, like I said, human scale almost. I, I think I think 27, it is so big and it's beautiful that it that it's this big screen, but um, it's not for everyone. And then the price is the same thing, right? I mean, uh, 14.99, that, that it's a lot. So if you don't need the, the, the size and the screen space, um, and you can save money. Uh, it's just it's logical. So I think I think for a lot of people, I think that's a much more casual user kind of uh, computer than uh, than the twenty seven is. And I think you know you can see it now that there's they still haven't pushed it down to ten ninety nine. Right? That'll probably happen in the next year or two. But you know for now it's it's uh it's the higher end model. But it's for you know I I know people who would not buy the twenty seven inch and they've got and money's no object for them. Because it's just too big, and they don't need a computer that that's that big, for and you know their house doesn't have a place that, to fit it. So I think I think there's perfectly reasonable uh, use cases for the twenty twenty one and a half. Okay. And in the long run, this is also part of Apple clearing the non Retina out of the product line. So you know, in a year, let's say, when the twenty one and a half inch ten ninety nine iMac. You know, maybe next year, maybe the year after, when that one is gone, and certainly the twelve ninety nine next year, right? Uh, we will get to a point very soon where the uh, where the MacBook Air and these twenty one and a half inch iMacs will be gone, and 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 we'll be all Retina across Apple's product line at that point, and it's coming. This is uh, it, you know, it continues to push downward until there's nothing left. Any rumblings about an external display? No, I got I got no rumblings, and in fact, this is you know these these Retina ones still don't do, uh, you know, target display mode, which the old ones did, where you could use it as a once it was it had ended its life as a computer, you could turn it into a monitor for a different computer. They don't do that, and I think it goes down to the fact that connectivity is still an issue. Driving a display like this is still an issue, right? Um, and uh, from what I've heard, you know, Thunderbolt. Thunderbolt 2 can drive some large HD displays and Thunderbolt 3 will do a much better job of it. And I feel like maybe this is just Apple waiting for the technology to get to the, either to, for the technology to get to the point where they can do it or for their, them to have sold enough systems that can support it for them to sell it. Because that that's sense. part of the thing too, is if you, if you release a, mo- a monitor that only the computer you announced that day can use, I mean, they might do that if they update a Mac Pro and say, and here's the external monitor you use with it. They might do that, but it would be better if they sort of had uh, pre- already seated the market with Macs that were capable of driving it with laptops and maybe even iMacs that could drive it as a second retina display. Um, so uh, no rumblings, but I feel like we're getting closer to that. And I do think it will happen eventually. I think the question is, is it going to happen, uh, you know, is it going to happen soon? Is it going to happen with Thunderbolt 3? Uh, I don't know. All right, that isn't the only news of the day, though. Um, I want to talk mm-hmm. about input devices with you because I see yes. the titles of these in our document, and I'm very yes. intrigued because I everything else I could guess uh, – there's some there's some words in this document that I don't understand. <laughs> yes, as as the iMac always does, it comes with input input devices, but the input devices in these new iMacs are different. But first, I think we should hear from a friend. 
This week's episode is brought to you by Hover, the best way to buy and manage domain names. When you have an idea for a project that you want to start or you want to take a, a blog or, or a site or a portfolio or something you've been working on, you want to make it an official thing, or maybe you're looking for a nice email address, you need a domain name. And when it comes to buying domain names, there are some places that you can go that will give you a terrible experience. All they're trying to do is nickel and dime you as much as they can to get the most money out of you possible. This is what Hover does. Hover believes in providing a great service which includes great customer service as well. Like, for example, Hover's customer support, you can give them a call and they'll pick up the phone and they'll help you. You're not put through this big decision tree. You're not passed around from person to person. You'll speak to a lovely person at Hover and they'll be able to help you out. Hover have all of the domain options that you're going to want. They have all of the standard ones that you're used to, .com, .co, .me, .net, all that kind of stuff. And they also have all of the crazy new TODs that you've been seeing around the internet that power websites with .plumbing at the end of them, for example. All of their domain options are very fairly priced. Their .com domains, for example, start at $12.99. And where it's possible, Hover will include who is privacy for free. As long as the domain uh, TLD that you're buying supports it, they will give you it for free because they're awesome like that. Hover believe that you should keep your private information private unlike other registrars. I've already mentioned telephone support, but Hover have great uh, email support. They have great documentation and guides as well. And they also have their new feature, Hover Connect, where if you're using uh, a service and you need to connect your new domain to it, you can choose from their options in the domain panel and just connect the service that you're using to the domain that you just bought with just a couple of clicks. Usually you'd have to, like say you're setting up a Tumblr site or a Squarespace site, you'd have to copy and paste a bunch of codes into MX records and all this DNS stuff that can go wrong, which I've gotten wrong a bunch of times and once left me about getting e any email for a couple of weeks, which Hover fixed for me. But now you can just go into Hover Connect in a domain admin panel and you can very click quickly just click what service you're using and Hover will pre-fill all that information for you. It's very, very simple. So you want to go over to Hover.com and you should try them out for yourself. You want to use the code AppleSeason, all one word, at checkout and you'll get yourself 10% off your first purchase at Hover.com and show your support for upgrade that's code apple season and you will be helping support this show and really fm thank you for so much to hover for their support of today's show so Yay. tell me what we've got here <laughs> are you sitting down i'm sitting down all right uh so with these new imacs uh apple also announced and and will be shipping separately as well the new magic keyboard okay the magic trackpad 2 Mm -hmm. And and the Magic Mouse two, okay. The okay. sequels, uh, Magic Keyboard. Now yeah. I tell you what I think this is. I haven't okay. heard it. I expect it's the new. I see. I I feel like what I'm going to say is so crazy. The the new uh, style. So the San Francisco font with the new keycaps. And if it's magic, there's some kind of movement device built into the keyboard. That's what I would say. Nope. Okay. Hit me with it. What's magic about it? <laughs> I don't know. What's It seems to me that the magic of it is that it's rechargeable. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh the font the font is different. Um I just was checking with my uh with my other keyboard here. No, the so the story here with the keyboard and with all these devices, actually, is that they're rechargeable. The all the Apple, uh, especially the trackpad and the keyboard, were built around this uh, cylinder at the back with AA batteries in it, mm -hmm. and they've replaced all of that with uh, with uh, a uh, a lightning connector and uh, and a rechargeable battery inside. 
Lightning is the perfect connection for this. I was wondering yeah. where you were going to go with that. So they're much, um, they're much thinner. Like the keyboard is super thin all the way to the top. It's wedge shaped, so it's much thinner at the bottom than at the top. But it's um, it's a much less of an angle, which is also good. I think ergon- ergonomically that it's not quite as, as a. Uh, uh, as angled from top to bottom but it is still wedge shaped and on the on the on the back edge is this um is a lightning connector and an on off switch and uh it is so let's see uh people will be very happy to know that it is not uh using the butterfly mechanism of the MacBook it's it is not based on the MacBook keyboard I think this is a really good sign that they're not going to make us use that keyboard technology with everything. It feels like they have designed that keyboard technology now. I can see this to 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 work where it's needed. So like they designed it for the um, MacBook, but they also wanted to put it in the iPad Pro keyboard cover, right? Because you need right. really really thin keyboards in those scenarios. Right. Right. So this uses a, a scissor mechanism, although Apple says that they improved on their the, the scissor mechanism, that the that the keycaps are slightly larger, that it, it makes a clicky sound, which it actually does. Um, it's soft, but it, but there is there is definitely, you know, you, you can you can hear yourself typing and that they say that the uh, they say that the keycaps are are more stable. And I think they're right. It, 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 but it is. um uh, there's more travel, it feels like, than on the MacBook. It, do, it definitely feels more like a regular typing experience than the MacBook keyboard does. Um, I think they say there's a millimeter of travel, which Apple, Apple declares is the optimal amount of key travel. So, <laughs> good, good okay, who are we to argue? <laughs> who are we to argue? But it definitely takes up a lot less space. I was looking, so last week I fell into this sort of hole of looking at uh, keyboards on uh, eBay after Joshua Topolsky tweeted the, these pictures of these incredible, like, little tiny... Uh, keyboards that are just um, the, they don't even have the function row. It's just uh, it's just numbers and, and it's so what it's one two three four five like five rows of keys and and then the edge of the keyboard like it's a super tiny keyboard and I love that because I don't like the extended keyboards. Um, th- that is a similar design to this Apple keyboard. Actually, there's not a lot of space around it. It does have the function key row at the top, and they're actually full sized function keys. They're not half height. Their full height, oh, but that's it. Yeah, I wonder if it's because they had the space because they needed to put in the battery and things like that 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 it couldn't get much smaller. And the funny thing, it's worked in the inverse to to usual. Yeah, yeah, it, but it's 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 a funny thing. Well, because you've got to keep the symmetry right because it's the same border around it, but it's very very much. There's not a lot of extra space around the keys. You basically get uh, white keys framed in in the, by the silver um, keyboard. Uh, so, so yeah, it's, uh, I've been typing on it all weekend. I would say it's pretty nice. Um, I, I don't think I've come to a verdict yet about whether I prefer it to some of the other keyboards that I've got around here, but I, uh, I have not felt miserable after using it for days and days, which is what happened to me with the MacBook keyboard. So, yep. uh, take that for what it's will, what, what you will. I, um, I don't like the fact that it's got the, like, like the MacBook, it's got full size left and right arrow keys but uh, split up and down arrow keys because I used that space where the, 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 the small left and right arrow keys left on the keyboard. I used that to kind of orient, so I've had to kind of relearn mm. that part of it. But uh, I'd say it's pretty nice, and I haven't even told you the most uh, amusing part of it, which is the, the Apple-est touch of all. If you, um, if you get one of these, 
and you have to be on a system that's running El Capitan. But if you get one of these and you plug it in to your uh, to the lightning port that comes with it, it comes comes with a lightning to USB cord. If you plug that lightning to USB cord into the keyboard and into your Mac running El Capitan, it insta pairs. So you don't have to you don't have to do Bluetooth pairing or anything. It sees uh, that you've attached cool. the Magic keyboard, like and maybe that's what the Magic is, and it insta in, instantly pairs, which is just it's a really nice touch, and uh, I, it's uh, it's fun to not have to go through that. <laughs> uh, and they say that it it lasts uh, it lasts a long time. It's a uh, um, in a two hour charge, you can get more than a month of use. They say out of it, and it's just another place to charge your Apple Pencil. I guess so. <laughs> I don't think that we'll we'll, we'll see. <laughs> I've been thinking about that recently, like all of the places in my life that I could charge an Apple Pencil, and it seems like I'm now going to have some more options. But I've got this Logitech rechargeable keyboard, and um, it runs out of battery like every week. And Apple says this is a month or more, depending on how you use it. Um, and I should say that the story Apple's telling with all of these devices is that it's about getting the batteries out, and they, they tell an environmental story like it's much better that now it's a rechargeable thing instead of having right. uh, people use batteries that you then throw away in, in a landfill or something I, like that. I, I like the idea nice. of rechargeable devices because, I mean, I use rechargeable yeah. batteries for my input devices, but it's still a pain that I have to keep recharging these, these batteries separately. And, then yeah, I, and they often don't last as long then. Yeah, they don't mm-hmm. last as long at all. Um, so that that seems like a good thing for me. I don't know if I would switch to the Magic Keyboard because I use one of these ergonomic key keyboards. Yeah, you would. You wouldn't. You probably wouldn't do it. So there's not really a lot of benefit. I'm using this Logitech rechargeable keyboard that is very similar to this one. In fact, um, and I might. I might switch. I might. Okay. We'll. We'll see. Um, so it doesn't sound like there's a lot of magic in this keyboard. So I hope there's a little bit more magic in the trackpad and mouse. Uh, there's more magic in the trackpad. Okay. Oh, this is a shame. Okay. <laughs> um. The the trackpad, so similarly, the trackpad is charged by lightning and will pair via lightning to you to a Mac running El Capitan via USB. Um you can you can use these with things that aren't running you El Capitan, I think, but they, they will lack in a lot of uh a lot of functionality. So the new new magic trackpad is not silver on top, it's white, which I think is interesting. All right. It is tw- the the touch the trackpad space is uh 29% more area so it's it's physically a much larger trackpad it's basically uh if you imagine the magic the magic trackpad it's got that whole non-trackpad part up at the top which is also where the batteries live you cut that off imagine that that's gone but that then you add another sort of inch on the side of the trackpad so it's shorter and wider it isn't again isn't angled as high because it doesn't have the the uh the double a batteries in there um that's big and of, and of course so it's well it's a little bit bigger it's it's just it's a little bit wider okay. but 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 not as high and it, and it matches the keyboard perfectly um and it's so it's a glass trackpad um and of course the old magic trackpad and apple is happy to point out its flaws now it had the little it had the little feet mm-hmm. that sat on the desk and uh and uh they sort of indented when you press them, but they were at the bottom, so it was mu- you couldn't really click as well from the top. And of course, this one clicks everywhere because it's a force touch. And they're still calling it force touch. They still are, because that's what the feature is on the yeah. Mac. Maybe they'll change it later. I wondered if they maybe this would be like the the overall like you know the next shift. Oh, this is three D touch. Like no nope. weird weird. Okay, 
I think uh, 3D Touch is a different feature, right? It's a, it's, it, it, this is what this is called, and they're not going to rebrand mm-hmm. it yet. I think maybe that'll take an OS revision before they do that. Seems like um, But anyway, it doesn't, it's not that it, it doesn't depress. Actually, um, if you look all around, the whole, the whole top of it is kind of floating over a, a very thin sort of squishy something. I'm not quite sure what it is, but if you turn it off, if, if you watch as you press, you can see that the, the, the physical, uh, uh, the glass top does depress a little bit, but if you turn it off and try to do it, you don't feel anything. <laughs> I mean, it, it it is not, you would never feel a click. So right. the, the, the click feelings are all emulated through vibration just as they were on the MacBook. It's the, it's the same idea and on the, and on the new uh, MacBook pros that use this technology and you can do it. You can do the force touch. You can, you know, press harder on a, on a, a, a word in a web browser and it pops up the definitions and all the other things that that you could do on the laptop you can now do on a desktop with this uh, with this uh, trackpad um, and uh, it's even got just as the just as the uh, laptops do it even has a setting uh, for the sound of the click so it's got in it I think it's got a little speaker in it somewhere that oh, makes God. the the sound that you associate with clicking. And you can turn that off, and it still, if you know, it, it still makes a little bit of a, a noise because it's vibrating. Uh, and certainly on my desk, it makes a little bit of a noise, but it's much quieter when you do that, and it's actually a little disconcerting. I turned the click back on. <laughs> oh, interesting. And this okay. is why they have it, but it's totally artificial. It's like cars that pipe in, that you know, that make fake car noise. Electric cars that make fake car noise because they want it to sound more like a car. It's a little bit like that, and that that's true on the on the um, on the MacBook. The, the the same thing they 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 add some clicky noise to give you more feel that it's actually clicking even though it's it's not really it's just all in your head the thing that keeps stick that keeps sticking with me though that that you mentioned a moment ago is that they changed yeah. it to white yeah it's white that so the so keyboard it matches the, is it aluminium and white yes so okay. it's it's matching the keycaps interesting rather than the uh, metal frame. Okay, okay. Yeah, I was surprised too. Seems like, that I just seems too. odd. I don't. I can't really put my my finger on why because everything else has white in it. All of the other input devices. Um, but it, yeah. But usually trackpads. Well, I guess trackpads do fall. Anyway, never mind. But yeah. So anything else in the trackpad that's interesting? So yeah, two hour charge, a uh, month or more of use. They say. Um, and you can click because it's this force touch. You can click anywhere on it. So there's this clickable area is much larger, and of course the actual surface area of the thing is much larger too. Okay. And I've been using it the week for the weekend, and it uh, it feels good. I, I'm a, I'm a Magic Mouse user, and I like it. Um, that said, you know the number of things you can force touch in uh, in OS 10 are still it's still not particularly great. But I feel like this is actually going to speed uh, adoption of those features because of a couple things one it makes those features accessible to everybody who doesn't have that uh new those new laptops and especially developers oftentimes are using a desktop computer and don't have access to those features and now they can buy the magic trackpad and they can actually get those features and uh and see the see for them themselves and that's a nice uh I think that will help that developers can actually try this stuff out now instead of uh, kind of scoffing and saying, no, it's, it's not that important. I'm not going to bother. So I hope to, I hope to see more because honestly, there are not a lot of places where I'm using the force touch feature now. Um, and I, I would like more of that. There isn't peak and pop in OS 10 yet, is there? No, I mean, it can be, 
it could be implemented by somebody, but they would have to do it themselves. Whereas in iOS 9, um, it's implemented, it, the Apple has provided uh, an API for Peek and Pop, but there's nothing like that. I My hope is that there's either in a in an OS 10 update or, or in the next version next year that they kind of revisit all of this stuff and and make it more consistent and maybe they change the name um but it hasn't it hasn't happened yet okay and the magic mouse 2 then i so i was hoping that this was going to solve an issue that i'm having so you know how much i love as everybody does the logitech mx master yes i am having severe wrist pain and i think it's to blame hmm um, and I think the reason is is because I set it up with all these buttons to do all of these things. I think I'm I'm exercising muscles in my hands and wrists that I shouldn't be to make it do certain things, like clicking this button to change spaces and this button to pause. And I think that the movements that I'm doing with my hand and wrist are not good for it. So mm-hmm. I was hoping what I was hoping was I was going to be able to get a new magic mouse which had some false touchy type stuff in it or something that would be a bit more useful to me but this doesn't sound like uh what this doesn't sound like what is about to be described to me. No, it it is uh very much like the old uh magic mouse. Okay. Uh Apple says that the structure is a little more rigid and the feet have been redesigned and that it's lighter. So they say that, you know, it clicks better and the and and has a better feel in your hand, but and I'm not a mouse user, so I, I I'm gonna kind of take them at their word here, but I don't really know. But uh, what it does have, so beyond those things, what it does have is a lightning port. It you you can plug to pair. It recharges. Now the problem is the lightning port is on the bottom. So here's the question: uh, What happens when uh, you're in the middle of a project and the the Magic Mouse Two runs out of battery? That's crazy because the the MX Master charges uh, via USB, but the USB port is right in the front, so you plug it right. in and it's just like a wired mouse. So what Apple says is, in thirty seconds you can get four hours of use, and in a minute you can get uh, an eight hour day of use out of it. All right. So so if you if you end up in trouble, you plug it in for a minute, and then you're good for the rest of the day, and then overnight you let it charge. Um, but uh, but. Uh, that's it, though. That that's there's no force anything. It's it, it it's a physically moving, uh, you know, on pivots from the back, so you click on the top, uh, magic mouse. So there there's not a, I would say it's not a huge story, but it is it is different. And the big story is that it's uh it's lighter and rechargeable. Okay, well, but that's it. I th- I I am a, a trackpad user. I might start using the trackpad more as a way to combat these issues that I'm having. So maybe I'll I'll pick up one of these trackpads as well and see what it's like. But I'm sad about the mouse. I was hoping to get a little bit Sorry. more than that. Yeah, it, it's not uh, it's it's not that exciting. But again, they claim about a month. All, all of these devices, they say it's basically got a month ish of uh of battery life. And all of this stuff is available now. Uh, all of this stuff should be available now. In in quantity is my understanding for the IMAX. They should be in Great. stores. Lovely. So this is, I think they've been making them and now they're releasing them to the wild. This is not one of those, yeah, 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 it'll be. This is probably one of those things where if they had wanted to, they could have mentioned it back on September 9th, but they didn't want to and that was a b- really busy uh, thing. And they would have had to say, well, they're shipping in October. But instead they just didn't say anything and then, you know, here's the announcement, so... Here it is. New iMacs, new keyboard, new trackpad, slightly new mouse. 
And uh, yeah, it's news from Apple. Overall good stuff, you feel? Yeah, well, the keyboard is a huge relief. I mean, we can talk about this. I'm still trying to get some perspective on it and and, uh, and working on some stories that I'm going to post at Six Colors about this stuff. But um, the keyboard, I am, as somebody who's not a fan of the MacBook keyboard, and hey, some people like it and... and and good, good for them. It's great, but I don't like it. I, I think it's a, I think it's a mistake to put that keyboard with all of its compromises on other devices. And even Apple, when they introduced it, admitted that it was compromised, but they needed to do it for the MacBook. I'm really happy to see that there's a brand new keyboard created by Apple that isn't the MacBook keyboard brought to the external keyboard, but is something that maybe takes some cues from it in terms of what they tried to do, like improving key stability, but uses a scissor mechanism. uh, And, you know, we'll see what the keyboard snobs all say about whether it's any good or not. But I, I will say this, it is way better than that macbook keyboard in my estimation and that's a that's a good sign that apple doesn't think that the macbook keyboard is the one that everybody should use and that it will probably not appear on all its devices so i i I like the keyboard but i think i love um i love the signal it sends about what apple thinks about keyboards which is not quite uh what i feared it would be and the magic trackpad uh too is really nice and i you know as a magic trackpad user i am absolutely gonna buy it because i like you know i I like the idea of uh of uh, doing more force touch stuff but i also uh i like the idea that it's uh rechargeable and uh takes up it's got more surface area um and is flatter i think those are all good things too and it's uh pretty cool Sounds good. All right, should we do some Ask Upgrade to round out today's episode? Let's do it. And I look forward to next week talking about, hopefully, the new 27-inch iMac that I will have purchased. Woohoo! Um, so do you want to thank Stamps.com for sponsoring this week's episode? Uh, that's a good idea. Stamps.com is sponsoring this week's episode and hashtag Ask Upgrade. You know, mailing and shipping are a routine part of running your business. And it's important. It keeps your operations going. But if you're making constant trips to the post office, that's a routine you need to change. And there's a much more convenient way to do it. That's stamps.com, which brings all of the services of the post office right to your desk. You can buy and print official U.S. postage using your computer and printer. Print postage for any letter, any package, any class of mail. You hand it to your mail carrier. That's it. You never waste time going to the post office again. I don't like going to the post office. And you can focus what really matters uh, is growing your business. So focus on that. Stamps.com. $15.99 $15.99 a month. That's it. There's no long-term multi-year commitment like postage meters require. There's no markup on postage. In fact, you'll get special postage discounts with Stamps.com. It's really a no-brainer. I used Stamps.com in this past week. I sent out a bunch of different packages all over the place. I had a, I, I sold, uh, while Mark Arment was selling all of his stuff, I, I kind of jumped in and, and jokingly said, would you sell my, uh, my old Flash uh, audio recorder? And uh, someone said, are you serious? And uh, I sold it to him. So I shipped it to him using Stamps.com. And I shipped out some trophies for that uh, award that the Incomparable won a while ago. Uh, we have trophies and they're going to my panelists and I'm using stamps for that. And it was great because I didn't have to uh, go to the post office and uh, fuss over it. I just uh, printed everything myself on my printer and taped it all up and it went out the door. So there's a special offer for upgrade listeners right now you can sign up for stamps.com and use my promo code which is the name of this show upgrade for this special offer four-week trial and a hundred and ten dollar bonus offer that includes postage and a digital scale so don't wait go to stamps.com before you do anything else click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in upgrade that's it stamps.com enter upgrade thanks to stamps.com for sponsoring hashtag ask upgrade 
<laughs> that's lodged in my brain now. I can't get mm-hmm. it out. So there we go. For anybody that was missing mailbagging, you've got. <laughs> that's coming back soon, though. There was, soon. you know, in the incomparable in the incomparable radio theater. There's a uh, there's a mailbagging uh, reference. People should check that out. Oh, it warmed my heart greatly. Well, um, yeah. and I have been. I, David Law has, has told me to keep listening. Is, so is what he tells me. I um. Yes, and again, I'll just put in a plug here. Please uh, check out the Incomparable Radio yeah, Theater. Please it's do. Like a... It's incredible. I will say it for you. I I love it Thank so you. much, and I'm so, so happy you guys are making it because it is a real joy to listen to. It's like podcast dessert. Ooh, I like that. I like that. I like that phrasing. Yeah, it's funny and short. They're all about twenty minutes long, and uh, it's uh, very different from most of the podcasts I would imagine that are in your podcast players because yep. it's uh, fictional and has sound effects and acting, uh, acting from good actors, acting from tech people that you know who may or may not be good actors, <laughs> and uh, and much more. So uh, yeah, please check it out. But there there is a MailRoute sponsored the first four episodes. So there there are lots of jokes in there, including a mailbagging joke that relate to that. So for upgrade listeners, that's a little little callback. Our first question this week comes from I believe this name would be Hjalte. I'm going to go with that. I think so. Um, you said that touch ideas faster on the success is also more accurate, i.e., more forgiving of smudgy and sweaty fingers. I have found that yes to be the case. It feels more accurate to me. Jason, would you agree? I don't know if I have have done it enough to say that it definitely is. It seems like I'm not getting rejected by Touch ID like yeah. I like I used to, even when when there's moisture on my fingertips. But um, you know, I, I I I'm glad that you have that perception because I I just I haven't I haven't been through it enough times to say that it's definitely that way. But it seems like it, it may be. One uh, annoyance that I have with the new Touch ID sensor now is how much harder it is to activate the Apple Pay gesture with the double tap. Uh huh. Because really it wants to unlock to your phone. Yeah, it's because it's just like, oh, you wanna un- you wanna unlock? Great, here you go. Uh, but so- if you unlock, then you can double tap, and it will go to Apple Pay. Really? Yeah. Double tap. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or I mean, okay. double 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 press the home button. Well, doesn't that After activate multitasking though? Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're right. I thought, it's that, I thought no, it's got to be on the lock screen. Well, that's yeah. no good. Well, just don't activate it. Just uh, I don't know that you're just right. That is a problem. Yeah, I find that I have to like hit it with my nail, <laughs> like you know, like, purposely oh, yeah. trying to uh, get away from it. But um, yeah, it's, it's a lot faster. If if I want to see the lock screen, I do a lot of. Uh, it's like my thumb is on is on tiptoes. I do it like the yep. edge of my thumb, the s- front of my thumb, mm-hmm. where it it can't recognize my thumb. I do I do that a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the problems is a faster touch ID. Yeah, uh, Jeremy asked uh, with iOS nine, iTunes does not seem to transfer purchases. This does mean if I upgrade my phone to a success, I will have to re-download apps. With a limited bandwidth as a rural user, I can't afford to download apps again. So this goes back to that discussion we've been having recently. And this definitely seems right. to be the case, right? Like, if you do an iOS, iOS 9 upgrade now, your purchases are re-downloaded from the cloud. Like, I can't see, yeah. or I couldn't seem to find a way to get transfer purchases to mean that when I did my backup, I restored from backup, it seemed like everything just went to download from the cloud. Yeah, that was my experience too, and I think it's a mistake. I think Apple needs to provide a way for you to completely image your phone mm-hmm. and then restore it. Because for people like Jeremy, 
that is a that is a cost to him. It comes out of his pocket to to get his phone back to normal again. This is an example of of a lack of perspective that happens sometimes. I think when uh, people who work at Apple and have great internet connections and have huge amounts of data and don't worry about this stuff don't realize that people in rural areas are on super slow data or or super slow cellular and uh, and maybe metered and there's so many different reasons why it's uh, you can't just assume that you're going to back you're going to reinstall everything from the cloud and um, I feel like this is an example where that has become a problem where Apple apparently has lost that perspective and they need to get it back because um, yeah if I'm somewhere far away if I if I'm in Antarctica right and I don't have a I don't have an internet connection to speak of except some you know tiny satellite thing that comes over every few hours um, and and I want to restore my phone I should probably I've got all the data right there right I shouldn't need to um, give up until I leave when the when the summer comes and I can get back out again or whatever it is. Sorry, I, sorry, Antarctica. But uh, you see what I mean? I mean, a lot of times people are in data challenge situations and the data is right on your phone. You should be able to do something with it. And I think it's problematic that um, that you can't. So uh, if people have tips about ways to get around this, I would love to hear it. But um, I think Apple needs to make this an easier process. This goes back to what we were talking about uh, a couple weeks ago when we were talking about upgrade problems is it would really be nice if Apple would let you plug in your phone and say, all right, I'm transferring this to a new phone, press a button, have it suck everything off of it, and then have it say, okay, plug in your new phone and then drop everything back onto it. And uh, we don't have that right now. And this falls in that category too, where you shouldn't have to uh, take an app that you already have downloaded and re-download it. Yep, I agree. It's a shame. Sorry, Jeremy. We can't. We can't help. I don't think so. Afraid not. David asked, with ongoing iCloud issues and storage costs, should I upgrade to the iPad Pro to replace my MacBook Air or go with a new Mac? Um, so my feeling for this question, I feel like a lot of people might ask this question or be asking it of themselves. I think the iPad Pro is only an option as a replacement for you if you can currently do it with an iPad right now. If right now you can't take an iPad Air and replace your laptop with that, then the iPad Pro will not be an answer to you is the way that I feel. Because I agree. all the iPad Pro is doing is giving you more space and more power and a bit more flexibility with, with input devices. It's not currently, at least, you know, it's not, it's not uh, feasible to say now that it's going to fundamentally change the iPad in any way greater than that. It may over time... But that's not going to happen in a month's time from now. Like, if you can't currently do all of your work on an iPad, even if it, you know, just maybe it's a bit more cramped, then you won't be able to to switch to the iPad Pro completely. That that's what my feeling. I I agree because you can use external keyboards with the iPad Air, and you can use pens, although not maybe. Uh, of the quality of the Apple Pencil, you can use different pens with those. So if you can't make a go of it now, just because the iPad Pro is going to be bigger and faster and have the Apple Pencil support, but really it's still running iOS. It's going to be what an iPad is. And that if that's not enough, then the answer is, is no. I don't really understand the with ongoing iCloud issues and storage costs here too, because either an iPad or a MacBook Air can bypass Apple's stuff for a lot. You know, you can use other services other than Apple's. You have to sign in with your Apple ID for a few things, uh, including apps. But so much of uh, 
so so much of this stuff can be replaced. So I, I'm not sure that it's as big an issue as that. I, I feel like unless you're having kind of huge iCloud issues with uh, with uh, restoring or something like that. But otherwise, you know, you can use Dropbox or um, you can use Microsoft stuff with the iPad or with your Mac. And I'm not sure that that is going to make a big difference. Yep, definitely. And finally today, Brandon asked, what do you think Amazon is doing with the Kindle? They haven't changed it to be a better reading device in a while. What do you think, Jason? So obviously this is the e-ink Kindle, right? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan and I I you know, I I've bought many and I'm using their current uh, version the 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 Voyage. Um I guess they got a new an updated version of it, but I've got the first generation of the Kindle Voyage. It, I um I think I don't know. I think that they have a place until um other devices can do what they do in terms of readability in you know, providing contrast and readability in bright light. Um, and battery life. So I think there. I think that it's a good uh, niche product. It's not for everybody. I know a lot of people are reading books on their on their smartphones or their iPads, and that's fine. But um, for some of us, including me, the Kindle is a nice dedicated reading device, and I love that I have a dedicated reading device. That's where my books are, and I read on that device, and I find it pleasant that 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 is the place that I'm doing it. Is that a big enough market for Amazon to invest a lot of R and D into that? I don't. I don't know. I mean, you could argue that it's not. You could also argue that Amazon owns that market, and so they want to keep pushing the ball forward there. Amazon's had a lot of problems with a lot of their hardware, so uh, you know, this is. I, I don't know enough about what's happening inside Amazon to know whether uh, they're investing anything at all in in Kindle Kindle or not. They did. You know, they added a font <laughs> and uh, some other stuff. I I would hope that they were continuing to improve it. Um, you know, that said, I feel like the the hardware is pretty good. They can, you know, if the e-ink screens just keep getting better and high, more high high resolution, that's nice. Um, I think their software is is uh, due for a, a refresh because I think the Kindle software is feels still feels really primitive. But um, but I don't know. It feels to me like that product has matured and really now it is incremental change and software revisions is the only thing that they can really do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the the um uh they will um they'll they'll push it forward as the technology because I think e-ink stuff will continue to get better. Um but yeah, it has it has matured and it is very targeted at at what it at that at this little audience and with the rise of tablets and smartphones, it isn't because it isn't for everyone. Um that is, you know, if I were Amazon as a cold, you know, cold business decision, I think it would be hard for me to justify huge amounts of investment in the Kindle um, because how much of a how much of a growth area is that? It, it's a it's a nice it's a nice product that does a pretty good job at what it does. And does it need to be um does it need to be more than it is? Like I said, I, I I'd rather they invest in making the software on the existing devices better than than in building new devices or build new devices that are not that different from the old ones but have much better software in them. I think that would be better because I think the Kindle software, the typography, um, the user interfaces, the, the it could it could do some more work there. But um, but you know they're fine. I like my Kindle. I'd like to see them marching forward. I just don't want them to be um, discontinued. So I hope they continue to make them. That would be crazy to me if they got rid of that product. 
it's so core to Amazon's business. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I I think um, they've got to be enough people there that care about reading. So so many readers are not tech people too. I think we lose again with uh, the tech podcast world and tech media world. We lose sight of the fact that so many people um, who are readers are not are not us. There is a huge the the, the book reading audience is um, is big. But it is demographically very different from the tech audience. You know, it is more women. It is older. Um, and and I would say it is less comfortable with technology. And so Kindles can be really good for people who are older, less comfortable with technology because it's a, this is like a book. Uh, you know, yeah. except you can buy things right on it. And and I've seen that I've seen that happen time and again. Um, uh, over time, you know, like I, I kept buying uh, or, or handing down older Kindles to my mom and she's got an iPad now and she doesn't need the Kindle anymore. She doesn't use the Kindle anymore because she just does it on the iPad now. But, I, you know, that that and that may continue to happen where where um, people who might be perfect targets for this have other devices and feel that they're, you know, they don't need <laughs> if you're less technical. <laughs> And you've already got an iPad. You're probably not inclined to be a multi-device person, right? You want to simplify, and I think the Kindle gets the boot in that case. So, so yeah, I, I love it. It's a niche that I'm in, but I appreciate that it's a it's a little niche. Right. I think that about wraps up this week. Um, Jason, where should people go to read all of your coverage um, and your thoughts about this uh, new, these new products today? You can uh, read my review of the 21 and a half inch uh, iMac. 4K iMac on Macworld. You can uh, read about a whole bunch of other stuff, including the input devices and some other thoughts about the iMac line at sixcolors.com. And uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at jsnell and read me in general on uh, sixcolors.com. Okay, you can find the new Mike at the movies subcast. Is that that's your phrasing for them, isn't it? No, it's a pod, that's not a subcast. This is that's a full a, on podcast, podcast. This one, that wow, is a look at that, look at that, absolutely. That's over at theincomparable dot com slash Mike, which is my mm-hmm. favorite URL on the internet now. Uh, yep. And you can find our show notes for this week, which has links to all of that sort of stuff over at relay.fm slash upgrade slash 58. Thanks again to our lovely sponsors for this week's episode, the great people over at Braintree, Hover, and Stamps.com. Thank you so much for your support. And most of all, thank you for listening. Uh, We'll be back next time. Uh, Jason will be maybe the same, and I will be uh, with a wallet that is very much lighter. Until then, say goodbye, Mr. Snell. Bye, everybody. 